0: Seasons we all talk understand about seasons, and we talk about the coming of spring, we get excited about summer We get and then comes fall and winter and we're we're aware about the seasons of nature there's the seasons of life where certainly uh, babies and toddlers and children and teenagers, adults and senior adults seasons of life, but there's also seasons. Of morality. And I want to talk about some things. I just want to have a dialogue with you. I'm not so concerned about you taking notes today. I want you to hear and take it in. You can make some notes. You got some you got a blank page there, but I want to share some thoughts from the scripture and then share some stories that I think apply to those. When we talk about seasons, here's what the Bible teaches us there will be seasons of evil before the second coming of Christ. Now, when we talk about seasons, I hear a lot of people say this now that the seasons seem to be blending together. They're not as distinctive as they used to be. Uh, they kind of, maybe sometimes uh, winter feels like you have spring days and summer days and winter, and you have cold days in the spring. They're kind of blending together. I think we're seeing that happen now in our culture, in our world, that the seasons of evil are kind of blending together and becoming more intense. And that is just to remind us that we're getting closer and closer to the second coming of Christ, to the end of this age and the beginning of a whole new age in a new kingdom that's a lot better than this one. So, let's talk about this. In Second Timothy, Paul is writing to his son in the ministry and, and reminding him of some things that are very important. And I think we need to be reminded of those things also. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this. You should know this. Don't be naive, Timothy. Don't forget this. You should know this. You need to be understanding what's taking place. I think to the body of Christ today, we must begin to say, I need to pay attention to what's going on. Don't be naive. I don't know why it is we in the church think we are shocked when lost people act like lost people. We're kind of like, what happened? Well, what is supposed to happen? People who are in the darkness live like they're in the darkness. Okay? And we kind of like, man, I can't believe that happened. Paul says to Timothy, You should know this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, when did the last days start? I believe the last days started when Christ uh, basically uh, came. Died on a cross, rose from the grave, and and the the birth of the church age became the beginning of the last days. Prophecy began to be fulfilled very rapidly, actually, and it's still continuing on today. So we're in the last days. Paul thought we were in the last days. And so people, they thought that. Now, the last days, obviously, is a season of time, too, that's going to come to an end. And only God knows when that happens. But here we go. The last days, look what he says, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. That's probably not what we want to hear, is it? We'd rather hear something else, but this is true. There's difficult, it means dangerous seasons is what that means. There'll be times the world is a dangerous place. Guys, uh, we, we need to understand that today. The world is a dangerous place. There's meanness and there's unkindness and there's all various types of perversions. The world's a dangerous place. There's violence. And hatred and bigotry and racism. It's a dangerous place. There's prejudice. Those are very real things. And sometimes a church can be a mean place. So it's a dangerous place. There's seasons out there. Thankfully, this church is not one that cultivates that. You guys are awesome. But I, I say this, that, that there can be dangerous seasons in life. He said, don't be surprised, Timothy. Don't be naive about this. I say to you today in the 21st century, in the world in which we live, it's a dangerous place. And the seasons of evil are ever more obvious and ever more troubling. And it makes life difficult. Evil, we talk, We, we hear evil, we're talking about morally reprehensible or bad behavior or... or, or that which is reflective of the devil, something that brings sorrow or distress to our lives. And we, we, we see it every day on the news, things that make us feel sorrowful or real stressed out about life. And all of a sudden we realize how evil, how evil the world can be. There's not really any safe places anymore. There's two things I know about this. First, the emptiness of life takes one further into the darkness, leading to destructive and dangerous behavior. The problem with humanity is we're born with a vacuum that only God can fill. And if people choose to fill it with other things, they, only go, they can't fill the void, so they keep going further, further into the darkness. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 2, for people will love only themselves. You see, there again, they love only themselves. It's all about me and nobody else. If I'm happy, I don't care if you're happy. If I'm satisfied, it doesn't matter if you're satisfied. I'll be selfish. You just can't deprive me of what I want. It's a selfishness. It's a self-indulgence. It's only about themselves and their money. All of a sudden, money's more important than people and more important than morality. We'll do anything for the dollar. I think one of the tragedies of the election process this year is that everybody's more concerned about money than morality. And, and so uh, we find that this is a symptom of darkness. We just, in the darkness, we're trying to fill the void. They will be boastful and proud. Proud, wow. Proud of... Pride of behavior, pride of independence. You you ever wonder why God, God says he hates pride, incidentally. You say, why does he hate pride? Uh, uh, Here's why. Pride is when sinful people aspire to the status and position of God in their own lives and refuse to acknowledge their dependence on God. They basically don't acknowledge God. They think they are the source of all good things and power, and therefore they don't need God. That's pride. I want to be God in my life. I want to be in control of my life. Don't tell me what to do. Don't give me guidelines or, or principles to live by that honor God. I just want to do what I want to do. That's pride. You wanna know what it'll do to you? It got the got Satan in a lot of trouble. Lucifer got kicked out of heaven because of it. He wanted to be God. That's why, God's pride's a bad thing. And yet today we're overwhelmed with this season of pride, of people wanting to be proud, even proud of bad behavior and proud of perversion and things that are wrong in the sight of God and even in the sight of nature. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, laughing at God, saying, ah, who is God anyway? Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Man, I've never seen such a, Display of disrespect in our culture today to people, to parents, to other people. Just disrespect and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Wow. There goes the emptiness of life. It's all about filling the void, and they go further into the darkness. That's what happens. They become self-destructive in the process and, and, and even dangerous in their behavior. Verse 3, they will be be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they will betray their friends, be reckless. Wow. Be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. The seasons that are coming and are already here. They blend together now, more obvious and more extreme. You see, I believe the emptiness uh, that of life takes us further into the darkness. And those that are, have, never been, have never trusted Christ are, are trapped in the darkness. And they keep going deeper and deeper and trying to fill the void and going further and further. We would call that different levels of depravity. But not only that, there is the extremity of immorality and violence. I believe, is demonically energized. And we don't like to think about that, do we? But it's true. Do you think that radical terrorism is just simply a product of human nature? There's more to it than that. It's a demonic influence. It energizes a hatred and a hatred against the people of God, those who would follow Christ. Acts of violence that are hideous and beyond comprehension are energized by demonic influence. This is, this is the world in which we live. Paul is saying, don't be naive. Look around see what's going on. Understand this is a, and I'm convinced, the Bible teaches that as we get closer in time, that, that the spiritual uh, powers and principalities become even more obvious and more, more uh, aggressive and I think we're seeing that today. So I, I say this, say let's don't be shocked. Let's understand this is the times in which we live. But we're not a people without hope. I want to share two stories with you. One, this past week on a Monday night, uh, we had a break-in at the church. Someone came in, we're assuming one person, I don't know, one person came in and And discharged a fire extinguisher right where I'm pretty much, right here forward. And uh, it kind of looked like a winter wonderland right through there and through here. And and then it got really like a snow dust throughout the rest of the auditorium. It got all over our equipment and the piano and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it was vandalism in that regard. Remember when we read earlier that nothing is sacred? There was a time nobody did that to a church. You just wouldn't do that to the church. Well, when you take away the fear of God, because you teach people there is no God, they have no reason to be respectful of things that honor God. Well, then we realized they also, later on, they stole a the guitar and stole a Leatherman tool. And so, um, but you know, I'm so thankful you guys behaved so well when you found out about it. And if you just found out about it the first time, sorry. Uh, well we sent an email out. Anyway, but... Uh, Y'all behave so well. Look, uh, someone came in that's trapped in darkness and they kind of trying to fill the void in their life, trying to feel significant or important or trying to get high out of life, and they did something really wrong. That's tragic. That's the reality of darkness. They vandalized. Good news is they didn't take the microphone so we could sing all weekend. I thought that's pretty cool. Um... Just shows how real darkness is because the microphones were worth a lot more than the guitar. Uh, But mind that's blinded by darkness. Sad. You have friends that live in the darkness that go to school with you. We have people that live in the darkness that we go to work with. They're sometimes in our neighborhood. They're trapped in it, and they don't know what to do, and they keep trying to fill the void in their lives. And they just go further into the darkness do be surprised. That's what darkness does. So we maybe start out getting a little mad that it happened. We become sad that the person is so trapped by that which destroys his life or her life. Uh, back many years ago, when I was in seminary, we we left our house and went to live on the campus, which was really different. Uh, one of the things was we didn 't have an air conditioner at our place in New Orleans, and Charlene was pregnant with her first child and and it was a real challenging time, a tough time for her and and we were having one of those nights we were sitting talking and kind of realizing that life was hard and it wasn't easy and and uh I remember making the statement or maybe Char- i i think i at least we have an air conditioner in our house. Receiving a call the next morning that our air conditioner in our house in Douglasville had been stolen, <laughs> thinking, oh, okay, so we don't have one there either. God provided one on the campus, incidentally, but one, one of the students shared theirs with; they had two, they shared one with us, uh, but uh, we kind of I mean, what do we do? We didn't know what to do, and we, we realized we're going to be moving back to Douglasville, and and so... Uh, man, something happened. God provided, and some we got an air conditioner, and didn't cost me anything, and that was pretty cool. But when I when I moved back, I God let me know who stole the air conditioner. He just he just let me know. Um, and so it was interesting because the person that stole it was in the neighborhood. And when we moved back, we were you know they had two children, and our children played with their children, and I was nice to them and because I didn't have proof, I just knew that God had told me and basically that doesn't matter in anybody else's world, okay? So, yeah, I knew, but I, I treated him with kindness and nice and so forth. And some, some, a couple of months passed, and I noticed one Sunday he was in church, and then he was um, in church again. Actually, uh, several months had passed almost close to a year and, and he's there and he's and he says I need to talk to you I said sure man come by the office he came by the office and said I, I've been listening to your sermons and I realize I, I need Christ and I want to be saved I said that's awesome man great let me tell you what, how, how that works and we talked and he said but I got to tell you something first what is it I stole your air conditioner I said I know he said, You know? I said, Yeah, God told me. Yeah, a long time ago. He said, Well, how come you've been so nice to me? Because God loves you, man. You stole that because you have an emptiness in your heart. You're trying to fill it with stuff. You probably wanted money, probably need to buy something. I don't know. Maybe you had I don't know what your problem was. But it's just an air conditioner. That's wrong what you did. Shouldn't know, then you don't need I said, but look, and so he, he was saved. I baptized him. It's pretty cool. You see, people do things out of emptiness of life that are wrong, sometimes perverted, sometimes dangerous. But they need Jesus. Getting mad at them doesn't change anything, sharing the gospel does. Reflecting the love of Christ does, and that's a challenge for us. He says, "You pray for them. You pray for that person that did this Monday night, man. That God will get a hold of their heart. And they'll be saved. They'll be changed from the inside out. That's the need. And incidentally, we have an alarm system now, so don't wander around the church during the week. It'll go off. For all of you, all of you have keys." You might want to call first. All right. Second story. I've talked about this every day this week. People have asked me. People go to church. People don't go to church. Uh, About the bathroom thing and the transgender identity issue and all this. I dealt with this over about 25, oh, no, I tell you what, more like 30 years ago. In my church in Douglasville. One Sunday, a, a, a family came in, a, a man, and his wife, and two children, and they sat in the middle of the church. Uh, we had, uh, we had three, three rows. We had two in the middle, and they sat in the middle in the middle of the middle. Of the middle. And uh, everybody seemed to be paying attention to them. I, I didn't know them, and I'm just kind of doing my thing, but evidently, uh, it, was the, it was the talk of the congregation. And if you didn't know what was going on before it was over, you did, because that's how Baptists do stuff. You know, it's, we, you know so, but I didn't know anything. And so finally one of the deacons comes up and said, do you know about that family that we're in our church today? And I said, I had no idea about that family. They looked a little different, but, you know, it's life. And, and they said, well, you need to know, Pastor, that that man used to be a woman's now, a man. And, you know, and they're married to this other woman. They got, and he's, he was a mother of two kids over here. And I'm going, man, that makes my head hurt. Oh man, I got to think about this. I, that's kinda, that is weird. I mean, that is weird. I'm thinking, what do we do? In, 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 uh, and to make matters interesting, on the guest card, he wanted to visit from the pastor. So I'm going. All right. So I get on the phone Monday. I start calling people. I call doctors. I call evangelists. I call pastors and say, "Man, here's what's going on. Tell me what I need to know. Am I? Tell me what's going on because I got issues. I got to sort out here of what's right and wrong, and uh, and and you know what kind of relationship is this now, and so forth and so on. And so, you know, I, I called. Uh, one evangelist said, Man, I just wrong. I can't believe it. and he's he's going on, oh, I got it, man. I call a doctor and said, tell me the 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 what's taking place. What is the classification of this person? And uh, and so he talked about that and cleared that up for me, basically. And uh, then I called David York, my my father me said, Okay, brother David, we need to meet and have lunch. I gotta talk to you about something that's going to blow your mind. He said, son, I've been in the ministry 30 years. And you ain't going to blow my mind. After lunch, he said, you blow my mind, man. This is weird. I don't know. So we, we looked and talked about this. So I visited the man on Thursday. And I got to tell you, I was somewhat confused. I, I didn't know, you know, what, what, you know. But in the process of talking with medical doctors, they kind of clarified it. said, look, you know, if you, they've done all the hormonal stuff, all the stuff, here's the, you know, the deal. All right. So I'm visiting in his home, and uh, he he was just, the family wasn't there, and and, and we were talking, and I do my usual thing, man, I saw you at church Sunday, thank you for coming, and I didn't know what to expect, and uh, he said, Pastor, I I enjoyed being with you Sunday, I, I, I came there and looking for something, he said, I gotta tell you, I don't know what to do with my life. I've tried everything possible, and it's not enough. And I'm thinking to myself, you ain't just kidding, dude. You have tried everything possible. <laughs> Man. And I'm thinking, whoa. But I didn't say that out loud. I was just thinking that. I'm thinking, oh. And I thought, Lord, and he says, I, I'm desperate. And then he said, can I be saved? I heard you talk about that. Can I be saved? And I said, you know, that's the amazing thing about God's grace. It will just save anybody. We're all sinners. We all start at the same place with an emptiness in our life. And at some point, the grace of God shows up when we recognize that emptiness. And we have this desire for him to change us and And if you're wanting him to come into your life and forgive you and change you, he'll save you. He said, that's what I want. And he bowed in his living room and trusted Christ as his Savior and Lord. Ah, Now, I got to go back to the church and go to all these people that talked about this Sunday thinking, what's going on? I'm going, man, what are they going to do Sunday? Because I told him he's supposed to come forward and let everybody know he's been saved and wow man I was wrestling with it and I preached from the book of Hosea on the love of God and and uh, I said you know Lord I'm just going to preach this message see what you do well, during the invitation he came forward after it was over I presented him to the church as one who trusted Christ I think The majority of our church was pretty much speechless at that time. (laughs) Anyway, I'm thinking, I don't know what's going to happen, Lord. I don't know what they're going to do. They could fire me before the day's over, or, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. But um, he stood at the front, and people, I said, now come by and congratulate him. And the first person in line was a 53-year-old lady who got saved when she was 52. She'd been a church member all her life. Gave her heart to Christ. She came and wrapped her arms around him and celebrated with him. Others did the same thing. They fell in line, and it was pretty cool. You see, people have an emptiness they're trying to fill, and they're helpless on their own. They keep doing stupid stuff or dangerous stuff or self destructive stuff, trying to fill the void. And we're seeing that happen today in a, in, a, in a very, I think, extreme manner. Incidentally, the question back then was, what bathroom is he going to use? Oh, it's not a new question. Let me tell you, I, I feel very concerned. I know, look. The the thing that's being decided this week and the policies being made, unfortunately, will create open doors for predators. I'm just telling you that. And that's the danger, really. That's bad. And I think that other things are not healthy emotionally. So if you feel that where you shop or where you go, the environment is not healthy for your children or grandchildren, hey, don't go. I'm telling you. All right. I'm not going to take my places kids to a place that aren't healthy, or grandchildren aren't healthy. I'm not going to expose that. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not mad. Hey, not angry. I'm just being responsible. Now you might want now part of the responsibility is you might want to tell the store manager, the owner, "Look, here's why I can't do this. I don't think you provide a safe place anymore for me." That's all you can do. Don't get mad. Just say, hey, this way life is. I'm not going to do this. You protect your family. The broken can be restored. The lost can be found. The sinner can be forgiven. That's what we offer. If God is patient, the reason he has not returned yet is because it is his will that none perish He is patient. If he can be that patient with those who struggle with the emptiness and the darkness of life and do awful things sometimes, acts of violence and acts of perversion, if he can be patient, then we should be faithful to share his love and power from the cross. Don't you think? But as I see these things happen, guys, he reminded me this week, lift up your head for your redemption is very close. I'm coming. Lord, it's a mess down here. I know. I'm coming. Lord, you won't, it's just awful. I know. I'm coming. Lord, it's getting worse. I know. I'm coming. And look up, my brother and sister, because he comes.